0: Dear fear, I'm so sick of the way you've been intruding on my day to day. Forcing your way into my nights as I lie awake. Stirring the pot of my thoughts, you cause confusion. The way you weigh down my faith is kind of rude, and to convolute my path, how dare you? I can feel you waiting in the corners of my mind, waiting for your time to creep in. Just so I can second guess every test laid across my chest. But I confess, I've listened to you far too often. Influence delivered in a whisper just to soften that feeling of falling into the sunken place. But not today. No, I feel my inner strength. And it's my hour. I know I tower over challenge the way all the greats before me challenged power. And they still made it through. Even as their problems accrued and they all probably dealt with someone just like you. So, dear fear, this is where we part ways. Behind me are the days when my choices sway based on you. I take back my right to choose. And I'm not one to gossip. But I'ma make sure everyone who talks to you stops it. And make sure they know just how toxic you are with your lure. And that the cure is already inside. A remedy delivered that not even you can find. So no more diminished wishes. No more corrupted limits. I just turn a deaf ear and a blind eye and quiet down my mind. And then I'ma show everyone how to do how I do. So they too can write a letter that says, dear fear, F.U."
1: Cause I used to give my energy away, pouring it out for people into cups that never filled, giving all that was within me to every noble cause that called I was a martyr, a dutiful servant. To the misguided persona of not quite enough. And the more I poured, the more I bore the expectations and opinions of others above my own. Living as an effect and not a cause. And because I finally had nothing more to give, I found space to know I am enough. You see, my aura is mine to define and no one else's to abuse or confuse with something that can be misused. I choose who I be. I choose what I will attract. And all things that enter this space will enter with grace. Dust your spirits at the door.
2: Okay, poet.
1: How you doing? I'm good, poet. What's up? You I'm know? good. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yours, too. I mean, I love poetry. I just love the power of it and how it can take a very complex story full of all the feels and express it with simplicity. And I just love it.
2: Absolutely. I do, too. It's It's been a while since I, I wrote, you know?
1: Oh my God. Yes. So I found a journal that had about four years worth of poems and stories in it, like haikus. And I think that's so awesome because sometimes we just need to Sankofa, go back and get it. How many times have we forgotten the gems and the lessons we've collected along the years just because we really didn't spend time, you know, to think about them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think that the poems that we just shared in Poetry Corner, um, they really sum up a couple of the chapters of our lives, you know, but I'm really interested to hear the stories behind them.
2: Yeah. People often live in isolation, right? And they're thinking mm-hmm. that they're the only ones going through what they're going through until they realize that they're not. And they discover that hope, courage, and, and new ways to move through life are yeah. right there.
1: Absolutely. Because it's really the ordinary stories. We say it all the time. It's the ordinary stories that create extraordinary lives, Um, In the last episode, we listened to ordinary moments from Dr. Tammy Green that propelled her forward in her life, conversations that stuck with her from college, from professors that ended up really shaping her professional boxes that she placed herself in, or stories about being a mom, or how grieving the loss of her mom gave her permission to live a more boldly and unapologetic life.
2: Man, I really enjoyed talking with her. That was, that was great.
1: Yeah, she's awesome. I love her.
2: So today, we're going to go and share some of our stories because they embody common paradigms that most people are still holding on to, but may be outsized or outdated to the challenges they need to overcome today. And as coaches and consultants, we reflect often, and we have found that our stories offer new tools and insights that we found to be more effective with navigating and enjoying life so we could feel healthy. Happy and whole
1: Absolutely Because our listeners want to feel healthy Happy and whole So if you hear something that really serves you Please share it Pass it forward And if you haven't already Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts So that way we know that we're doing what we need to do You're rocking with The Griot What's a Grio? It's a storyteller A poet A musician Or a music lover
0: the culture cube.
1: Celebrating life, love, and
0: self. With ordinary people telling extraordinary stories. Welcome to the show.
1: We're your hosts,
0: Jamil V. And Keith Marcel. And we are
1: The greens This is a podcast about purpose driven parents raising their kids, still figuring out how to raise themselves. We share our stories, lessons, and a host of amazing guests with resources that can help you figure this thing out, too. Yeah, so speaking about stories, I was actually watching this show with the girls over the weekend called Super Why. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. Yeah, it's really dope. So um, I would suggest that anyone who has children under 10 definitely sit and watch it. But the intro music and the premise starts out with who's got the power, the power to read. I thought that was super <laughs> cool. Because <laughs> really it's saying you have the power to read your story and you're not trapped by the narrative of it even. You have the power to rewrite that. And mm-hmm. I think that is so awesome.
2: Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. That's kind of... Uh progressive i like it i love your mind actually it it reminds me of some of the stuff from when we were kids though too because they had some some shows out there like that just kind of like encourage you to think
1: yeah 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 Yeah. i always like filter and vet the shows that the girls are watching but this was one of my one of my favorites so you know, we were we were watching that, and I think it's so fascinating um, to consider that we actually are the writers, the producers, the actors, and the witnesses of our own stories. And I wonder, how often do we really sit and take time to read and think about what we've journeyed through?
2: I mean, there there are definitely stories from my past that, when I reflect on them, energize me today and give me the courage to move forward in life. And get through those challenges and hard decisions that, that we're constantly facing. It's an interesting concept to be going back to your past self because we have this whole setup in our minds that the past is the past and that person is not someone you want to be. Mm. But I tap into that all the time. I'm like, man, I was courageous in some situations. I need that right now. Like, Yo. Obviously, I did it before. I can do it again. Let me you know, just close my eyes and try to get back to that person and, and have a conversation with them through this story. And I think, you know, that's what the whole point of the griots is, right? Absolutely. And and the culture and their actual role is to, to not have us forget the past.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. I love what you said about going back and having conversations with your past self. I kid you not last night, I was saying self, good job. You did that self because you were really going through it and you journeyed and thank you for doing what you did. So I could find this 10 years later, like Kudos to you. you That is
2: nice.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, it it inspires me to, to want to journal more so I can have that. I've been going through some shifts right now, and I've been feeling like I needed some direction. So I've been asking family and friends for advice, but really, it wasn't until I started to meditate and kind of revisit how I got here in the first place, how I've come to have this story I'm proud of, that I started to realize I already have the answers. So the poem I read earlier, Dear Fear. It was open letter to this weird phenomenon that's plagued me for a good amount of my life, this fear of success. Mm. And the only way I can describe it is this irrational feeling to sabotage something I've been building by not giving in my all or abandoning some big opportunity because it has the potential to be great. And it didn't affect every situation in my life, but there are times I look back and I wonder like, what if I stuck it out?
1: Yes. Yes. And yes, like self-sabotage is so real. You know, um, we, I think we also do it by avoidance, you know, seeing something that can be great and being so fearful and not going through it. It reminds me actually of something that happened to me back in, in, when I was living in Kalamazoo, So I had an opportunity to either stay at my existing organization where I was a project manager, um, you know, had a great role and title there, or accept an executive position um, at a company in California. Well, I was torn because I was afraid to stay and I was afraid to go. I was afraid to stay because I felt like my company didn't appreciate me. I had valued and. Asked for a raise that was denied, even though I really felt it was worth it. And so I felt slighted and I didn't want to be there. My ego really wouldn't let me stay, knowing that I didn't feel valued. And I was afraid to go because California was so far away, cost of living. I was in the nonprofit sector and I just honestly didn't know if I was going to be okay doing that. Um, and so I was just really afraid of making the wrong choice. But I think my turning point was when I learned to release that fear. Specifically of the embarrassment and admitting that I did not have the answer. And that was okay. You know, um, I really count that experience as a success because when I decided that, okay, I'm going to stay. Cause one or the other, I had to just make a choice. I decided to stay in Kalamazoo at the time. And, you know, we'll journey through that a little bit more, but that specific experience helped me to realize that I didn't have to know all the answers at the time and that living in indecision was actually more stressful than just choosing, you know, um, I learned acceptance from that.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, those, those are those big challenges, especially when they come to moving and they come to you know, big life changing events. I mean, that's gonna be really scary, right? Yeah. But the important word here, I think is irrational too. for irrational fears that we have, Um, you know, making a moving decision is not an irrational, you know, having a fear about that is not irrational. But it's some of the reasons why we may or may not make that move that we need to look at sometimes. And we, we have these things we do in life, we can't explain that don't make sense. Because, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to purposely try to sabotage themselves, um, especially not the people out there who are grinding and working towards the kind of success that you and I are. But yet we sometimes fall prey to these irrational fears and make choices that are not in our best interest. Mm, and I yeah. think uh, so long as we are aware that they exist and we could take that and work on managing those things and eliminating them all so I have these moments of success too, like where the core of who I am overcame that irrational side uh, that feeds the fear of success. And these are moments that tie directly into where and who I am today. And sometimes I get curious about like where I'd be if, if that fear ever won. Mm. So like, one of my, my favorite stories, um, is, is switching from, the school of business at fam to the j school the school of journalism and communication oh, okay. um because i mean my passion's always been in design and layout graphic like just telling stories and communicating through art and mm-hmm. and, and digital experiences mm-hmm. but i also love the business side of things i love like the knowledge that comes with that being able to keep things organized and and making money and and being my own boss so that's what really attracted me to to business school and kind of started that pathway for me. But some of the big fears I had uh, were changing majors late in the game and really being worried about what people were going to think, like my my family, my friends, like, oh, you were in business school. Now you're going to change to J school. You got to start over, all these things. Um, but it was weighing on me heavily, you know, like how long until I graduate. So it's really interesting to juxtaposition. Like I had not only in my choice for majors, but also – my personality type because I do love business and I do love the graphic work and, and multimedia. So there was this uh, brick road right in between the school of business and in between the, the J school. And I'd have to walk it every single day. And usually I would take a left to go to class and I would come back out and cross the street to go see my friends. And I'll constantly be in these business suits because we had colloquium and I'm wearing suit and tie and I'm going to see my friends and they're just chilling in their in their J's and shorts oh, and hanging out <laughs> and you're coming
1: in here looking all suited and booted yeah. like what?
2: And, and while you're in that building which by the way looked like a prison like just all brick mm-hmm. uh, red brick and then you go to the J school and it's just glass and trees and like an atrium and when you're in this in this business realm, you feel like okay, I belong here. I got the suit and tie on. But then you go outside and you cross, and you're like, I don't feel like I belong over mm. here. So those are like just what was going on inside of me, my internal struggle, how to choose um, between the two. But I did, I did make a choice, and I just, I went for it. You know, I, I did get great advice, and it, it just really followed my heart, though, and my heart said, go after this thing that you're passionate about. So because I did that. Um, I got an opportunity to meet some amazing new people new creatives in there. One of my best friends, Anthony, uh, somebody I work, I met at this school and we ended up working three different agencies over the last eight years together. You know, um, we just had a really long creative life together and it's been, it's been amazing. Um, but because of those opportunities, uh, and those new relationships i built, um, I was given a job as art director at our, at our school magazine. And for a whole year, I worked with some really great people and we were able to win some amazing awards and travel and just learn a lot about the, the publication experience and the outcome of that is I ended up getting an internship at Essence magazine in New York. And uh, yeah, I mean, when I graduated, I just ended up going out there. Um, and so a year and a half later, I'm like, okay, I'm in a business suit kind of dreading my life. And then, a year and a half later, I'm in New York at working at Essence. And it's because I took that choice that that's, seems kind of ordinary. People switch their majors all the time. But like when, yeah. you're, when that stuff's weighing on you, you got to follow your passion. Right. And, and when you remove the worry that you have about how everyone else might feel about a decision you're making, the worry about how long something's going to take, then you start to let that courage in that you need to shine through.
1: I think that was so fascinating, the juxtaposition of having to choose between creativity and business um, because I I told uh, someone I feel like I took the scenic route because I had a very similar experience in changing my major. So I actually started in journalism and um, ended up switching to business <laughs> <laughs> <because> <laughs> Because, you know, I was told that there really there's only narrow paths that you had to walk, you know, and in, unless I was ready to write my life's work novel best selling book then, it wasn't really gonna work out for me and I didn't really see a path, you know, and that um it, it, it put some things into into place. And so I ended up going and uh building this organization and um having some great successes there. Um, and then when I fast forward to my choice to go to California, right, and I decided to stay, it was amazing how the one choice to change my major back in college impacted everything that happened later. Exactly. So you fast forward to the grios, right? Well, really, that's journalism, if yeah. you're thinking about how we're collecting and sharing stories. And it's fascinating the idea that what didn't exist then And what was created to be two separate pathways, we've figured out how to merge and combine and to create because I think that's one of the lessons that my life has showed me is that oftentimes I'm looking for something in my jobs or in the world and I'm expecting it to already exist and not being able to fit into those lanes or into those molds and then realizing that I actually have to create it for myself, you know?
2: Yeah. And we have to move those, those pieces out of the way, those blocks so that we can really go after what's in our hearts. So Jamil, tell me a time where you had to move some of these blocks out of your way so that you can, you can get to that feeling that's inside that, that true driver of where you need to go.
1: Mm, for sure. I would definitely say that one of the blocks that I learned to move was the way that I embodied my stress, right? So, today, as a wellness and empowerment coach, I do work with women whose lives have been disrupted by dis ease, uh, be it in their body, their emotional health, their finances, and I help them to reverse the effects of stress. Um, I can do that because I've witnessed and experienced so many of the effects of stress. Um, So at that time, when I was living in Kalamazoo and I was uh, leading and building this organization, it was not a small feat, right? So it was me and my executive director, and it was a volunteer-led organization, but it was a regional-based company, And so when we started, we had doubled the membership capacity, and these are member institutions, not just like individuals. We had more than doubled the operation budget and expanded the reach of the campaigns. You know, I was dealing with leadership development, grant development, and writing campaign and marketing development, um, all just right out of college, you know, and it was stressful. (laughs) I didn't really have... Um, hobbies because I found a way to integrate all of what I was doing into my work. And when you give that much of yourself to anything, to a company, um, to a relationship, anything, when you give that much of yourself away and you feel as though it's not appreciated, right, which is the feeling that I had at the time when i wanted to stay on but i wanted to be paid what i felt like i was worth and to hear the weight of a no it was it was kind of heartbreaking right mm-hmm. and then of course i had decided to stay anyway well um i ended up leaving the company cuz i was like well i want to explore i want to do some things new what i realized though the amount of stress that i was carrying mentally and emotionally i was feeling it in my body So, um, my hair was falling out. I had, um, a type of alopecia on the left side of my hair and and there was nothing that I could do to save it. Like I tried all the products, I tried all of the things and there was no saving it. I had to cut my hair off. That was the first time that I had a ball fade. (laughs) And, um, so that was an experience. I also, um, was dealing with excessive weight loss. You know, a lot of times people they either have weight gain where they just cannot get rid of it because of stress or they have weight loss where they look like they're going to disappear. And that was me. So I was very, um, unhealthy in that way. And then I, I had GERD as well. Right. So just, um, just the anxiety that was carrying it. And so I didn't realize how much it was in my body and I had to let that go. I had to understand, um, how to take care of myself in a different way, how to eat differently and how to release that, you know, I was taking on way more than was necessary for me. And th- that was definitely a block that I had to move that later um, came back to serve me. And and that turning point really was just realizing not to suppress the stress to the point of you know forgetfulness or, or, or dealing with uh, stress unhealthily, but really to learn how to value um, my mental and my emotional health in a way that I hadn't before. And so it looked like reaching out to counseling. A lot of times when you are very spiritual or you're raised in the church or you um, have the strong black woman paradigm that you're carrying, you don't often give yourself permission to get help you know, in those traditional ways. I had to move that out of my way. (laughs) You know, I had to say I'm worth, I'm worth it and I'm going to get it. And that was one of the best decisions that I could make, you know, also allowing myself to sleep. I was not sleeping. Mm. Um, and deciding to invest what money I did have into things that were going to heal my body because I can't take over the world, (laughs) heal the world, help anything. If I am, broken down and exhausted you know
2: that moment of reflection that you had like and really digging into yourself like how am i feeling what's what's happening with me right now and then dedicating your time to to focusing on that is something i think we 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 take for granted a lot you know we Mm -hmm. people feel these these things they're stressed out but then they keep moving they keep trying to serve others and it's not helping, you yeah, know, anybody, going to burn out. They think
1: it's expected. Like, right. oh, I should feel this way or that's just the thing, you know, no. but until you hear exactly, <laughs> until you hear, no, that's not how you should feel. You deserve better and you can get better, you know?
2: Yeah. And the way we get better is by showing up for ourselves, you know, and moving those blocks out of the way and focusing on yourself, you know, to get where you need to get. And... I mean, there there was a big challenge I had uh, when I was in New York at this uh, internship at Essence, and an opportunity came for the interns to sign up for this reverse mentoring program. And this is a program where you're paired with uh, an executive at Time Inc. And instead of that person mentoring you, uh, you as the intern newbie mentor them on uh, new media, social media, um, and different uh, digital places that um, that are great for marketing. And so I had an opportunity to sign up here and um, I found out that within the intern program, there weren't a lot of applicants and my dad was really encouraging me to apply. Um, my mom was encouraging me to apply and I sat down and started on the application and I kind of quit halfway through because I was looking at some of the questions and I didn't, I felt inadequate. I didn't feel like I had the knowledge that I needed to apply to this and that if I was going to get paired with somebody uh, and I got chosen that I wouldn't be able to to live up and, and show up for the situation, and I'll embarrass myself. So a lot of thoughts and and scenarios being played out, irrational ones that had no you know base for. Like I didn't I didn't know the future, but yeah, I was still trying to build a future in my head that didn't even exist yet, And a negative one at that. Um. So I mean, the turning point for me was that I would never know what this opportunity would hold if I didn't go for it. And I would regret it, uh, I'd, I'd have a big regret. So I sat down and I filled it out. I put my headphones on, I grinded it out all night. Uh, my roommates wanted to go out, um, and I remember that night so vividly, and I was like, oh, I'll meet up with you, I'll meet up with you. And no, I stayed there for like three hours and sat at the computer and filled this application out. Submitted it, um, and a week later found out that not only was I selected, but that my score was so high, that they ended up pairing me with two executives. What? and one of the executives was Paul Kane who at the time was the chief revenue officer of Time Inc as a whole and also the president of the Style and Entertainment Group which included magazines like People and Style and Entertainment Weekly so i was super excited for the opportunity but i was also i still felt inadequate right. <laughs> again because i'm right. like wow this is the guy like this he's leading major things at at Time Inc and while i felt uh extremely encouraged and really felt good because I was chosen to be paired with him. I also felt like I had a lot of work to do. So I did do a lot of work, a lot of research, and um, talking to other people and preparing myself for this opportunity. And when it came, it, it was a fantastic six weeks of one-on-ones with this guy, um, discussing all the new digital media out there and new opportunities that Time Inc. could move into as a, as an organization uh, to attract new customers and new subscribers to their, to their uh, products. So as my internship at Essence was wrapping up, Paul actually offered me a job at People um, as a layout designer for for the web and print um, versions of People. And it was a big opportunity because a lot of my colleagues who I had come to know, uh, fellow interns, they were leaving. The internship was over. And here I was with, with an opportunity to take a job um, at this company that I'd grown to love over the last 11 weeks. And it was amazing um, to, to be given that opportunity, and of course, I said yes, uh, but without that simple act of signing up for this for this uh, reverse mentoring program and showing up for myself, uh, I would have been on my way back to Florida after that internship. So I took that opportunity uh, that seemed so benign to my bigger picture uh, and worked through that fear of inadequacy just to prove that I was the complete opposite. And that paved the way for what was to come.
1: That imposter syndrome is so real. It's so real. And you mentioned um, that it was a lot of work. You had a lot of work to do. And I can relate to that so much. Um, I often use the metaphor of planting seeds and growing and cultivating when I'm thinking just about life. And I think it's because when we are reaping from life, we have to go through the cultivation process, which is breaking up the soil, right? Which is like putting us through an experience that gets us ready for whatever that next stage is. And it's really fascinating to know that you can be You know, you can have a story like yours where you are ascending and you are navigating and you're going through these different um, doorways and opening yourself up to these new experiences that definitely are making you better. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have my experience where I was also at the pinnacle of change and cultivation, but seemingly opposite in the way that I felt about it. Right. I felt very inadequate at this time. And the time that I'm describing is right before I moved to Florida. So at that time, I had been um, I had chosen to leave a company that I was with and I was working in a commission-based situation that was not bringing in revenue, right? And so I decided not to do that. I also had lost um, the relationship that I had at the time. I was in a, a phase of lo- of loss in that moment, right? Where everything that I feared losing had I have gone to California in its own way was like moved out of the way and I didn't have it anymore anyway. Right? So I think it's ironic that whenever we get ready to move to another stage in life, there's always work to do. It can be that things seem to be going excessively well, or it can seem like everything is going completely wrong. Mm -hmm. But in either case, the outcome usually is a result of a choice we made. Like everything that I was experiencing that time or because of my choices. Mm-hmm. Everything you were experiencing was because of your choices. Right. And I learned to own my choices. So let me tell you what I, what I ended up doing. So the problem was when it really boils down to it, I didn't have a job that was paying me. I didn't have the relationships. Right. And I, I felt like I had nothing to lose at that point. So the fear of losing all of the things was already taken care of. So I, what I feared most in that moment was being stuck like that forever. You know, just the feeling of not seeing what to do next, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that lost feeling. Yeah, and so really my turning point was deciding to bet on me. I thought to myself, would I work for myself harder than I would for someone else? Would I love myself as deeply as I wanted to be loved? Would I trust me to figure it out? And would I remember that I'm never alone because I am is always with me? And when I got to a place to answer yes to all of those questions, I really embraced acceptance and courage and I moved. I sold everything that I owned. I packed up what was left in my Ford 500 Eduardo de Boss. So, um, packed everything in my car and we moved to Florida. And that was one of the most pivotal choices. And it was one of the best because since being here, not only have I rebuilt my network, my relationships, a career, a business that serves women and doing it all with the love of my life, um, building first generation wealth, creating multiple streams of income, um, and really doing it with a sense of clarity and assuredness of how to navigate change in a way that I was not equipped to do before, how to remember who I am when fear can cloud judgment, you know, and having very effective ways to reverse stress so that I don't embody it. So I keep my body healthy and in my mind and my spirit strong. And these are all the wins that I feel like my story has really taught me. Wow.
2: I mean, I love who you are today. I mean, it's been great getting to know who you were, too, to help you get here.
1: Mm, Um, Same, same, man. You know, I feel like the journeys that we both traveled on were so eclectic and so amazing. And to find that they brought us both at this same point, I just feel like the universe does what it needs to do, you know, especially when you're open to it.
2: Exactly. And that reminds me of like my last story um, about my time coming back to Florida. You know, I'm at this high point in New York. Um, I get to spend my days working on my craft. I have freelance clients and I'm building this network of awesome creatives, you know, and then I get a phone call and it's from my dad. And he tells me that he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And we've had, um, you know, health issues in our, in our broader family, you know, people have made it through, people have passed, but nothing in my immediate family, never having someone that I hold so close, like my father calling me and telling me, you know, that there's, there's doom here. Um, you know, he, he assured me, you know, going to the doctors, we're going to figure this thing out. And he told me to stay focused, uh, on the work that I was doing in New York, but, you know that's that's not easy <laughs> right you're like, thinking about okay. what what you wanna do. I was devastated i was I was even more so scared um so I was struggling with this fear of the unknown um but I also was struggling with this idea that I had to let go of New York because um i w- I wanted to be home I wanted to be there and and be present uh for my family. So luckily, I had the flexibility from my manager at the time, uh, at Time Inc. to go home and be with my family, and be with my dad during his surgery. Uh, and the doctors at Moffitt really took care of him, um, and he 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 made it out, got the cancer removed, and he had some some time at home to recover. So I'm still very much struggling with the idea. Of what I want to do, like I I, I don't want to let go of New York. Been working so hard for this. Um, but I want to be here for my family and. Everybody's still pushing me to, to work on New York and be there, and I'm just at home, and I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm on Craigslist while my dad's recovering, um, and I find a job It's five minutes from my house. Yes. And it's for a senior designer p- position, which was above where I was at at the time, and I looked at the job description, and, it's, and what did it say they're looking for? Someone with experience in a high-paced magazine environment. Well, you better talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Someone with, uh, you know, graphic design experience, uh, four-year degree, uh, XYZ. So I was just like, okay, this seems oddly, like, specific. So I go apply, and in less than a week, I'm hired. Um, And just like that, I had my... My, my setup I needed to move back from New York and start a new life back at home, except this time with a huge salary bump and some benefits. Okay. I'm um, mad at that. So, you know, I take this job and in six months I'm promoted to art director and I end up staying there for three years and taught me everything. I got to use everything that I have I've been building up to that point. Plus I learned so much more, but I would not have been able to make a choice like that if I hadn't, come back home, um, seeing everyone together, uh, supporting my dad, so that those clouds in my head could really move out of the way and help me understand what's important in life and how important it is to just let go long enough to even be able to see what else is out there. And that's kind of what the, the struggle was for me through that whole journey was, what do I let go of? What do I keep? What do I try to control? and just my dad's experience kind of taught me you're not in control of everything things will just come and you have to make choices and to watch him go through that with the courage he did gave me the courage I needed to be able to to say you know what NYC is great but there might be something even better out there let me not try to hold on and control the situation so much
1: oh my god what do I let go of And what do I try to control if that's not like the mantra of my life, right? Like that's, I I think that is such a critical lesson that we need to have. And it is, I think we both arrived there from different vantage points, but we both arrived at the same place. And reflecting on the lessons learned in my story is the reason I was able to develop the Heal Your Whole You total transformation system. Serving women whose lives have been put on hold and disrupted by dis-ease in their bodies, in their minds, and their finances like mine was. I'm able to push my lessons forward and help them to reverse the effects of stress, giving them the right support, accountability, and system so they can cut through the confusion, avoid overwhelm, and really maximize their energy and reclaim their right to living a happy, whole, and purpose-driven life.
2: Yeah, and I I feel like we we're at this place now where we have this freedom that we haven't in so long, and that's that's the freedom to choose your path. You know, we we went from the stumbling thing. Okay, yeah. the universe is still moving blocks out of the way, but we're stumbling through, and now we're we're intentional. You yeah. know, we're intentional about what we're doing and about where we're going, and it's a beautiful thing um, to to reflect on those those points of your life and to get to where you are. So I, that's why I developed the, the Launch Kit, and it's a tool that I use to teach creatives as well as new entrepreneurs how to build their brand um, with the foundational elements taken care of, like how and where to secure their LLC, what accounting software to use, how to maximize their current network, and even how to build a new one. These are resources I share with my clients also that they don't have to experience those early failures Due to a lack of brand awareness, a supportive network, legal legitimacy, or market knowledge, and this isn't limited to any certain type of business, but it is focused on that budding entrepreneur who needs to take that their swirling ideas and that initial groundwork to the next level. For sure,
1: and you know, it's about it's about not getting stuck on the small things, um, knowing the step by step process because we've figured out the hard stuff, right? Like, so doesn't it feel good to have someone just say, "Hey." These are the things that need to happen, and this is the order that it needs to happen in so that you can reduce the overwhelm and the stress. So what I want you to do is go to the show notes um, for the episode, access um, my website to get your complimentary breakthrough session.
2: And you can also get in touch with me about creative consultation and the new business launch kit by visiting my website or finding me on LinkedIn.
1: Hey Grios, we want to thank you so much for sharing space with us. If you enjoyed this podcast or heard something you liked, pay it forward and pass it along to someone else. We're making more episodes that celebrate our stories, so support us. Go to your preferred podcast app, rate us, and subscribe.
0: You can also follow us on IG at The Grios Podcast or visit the website at thegriot's.co to get resources from the show notes or even submit a comment or question on the episode.
1: Until next time, be inspired and be on purpose. And
0: remember to live in the now because nothing lasts forever.